behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And we are here to celebrate that uh, that holy birth, the most holy birth of all time, the Lord Jesus Christ, born for us, amen, uh, and born uh, with uh, two miraculous births, but one totally impossible birth. If you read that verse, you might think that... Uh, that what we're talking about is the fact that there's one that's barren because he says that. But it wasn't impossible for someone of old age to have a birth because we remember Sarah, uh, Abraham's wife in her old age also bore a son and I am pretty sure she was considerably older than Elizabeth. But what he was talking about is Mary herself, one who had never known man and the Holy Spirit would overshadow her and she would bring forth the Messiah, the Son of the living God, Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's why we're here today. And what a great crowd on, a, uh, on a Christmas Sunday morning. Uh, but that's why we're here today is to worship the Lord in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? All right. So if you're here today and you're visiting with us for the first time or for the first time in a long time and you never got a visitor's packet, raise your hand nice and high. We want to get a visitor's packet to you. And we've got those ready. If you, We don't want to overlook anybody visiting with us first time, first time in a long time. Okay, right down here. Anybody else? We don't want to overlook anybody. Okay. Uh, all right. If you need a prayer card, the ushers have the prayer cards ready. Raise your hand nice and high if you need a prayer card. Okay. All right. All right. So we're going to ask our ushers to come forward for our regular Sunday morning tithes and offering. And all of you were saying, oh, I didn't think we did that on Christmas. Well, you have to remember that uh, even the wise men brought gifts, amen? Uh, and uh, so if you're wise, you have a gift today, you give as the Lord directs. I have absolutely no doubt whatsoever that he will uh, bless you for it, amen. And I'm going to ask Kurt, if he would, to ask God's blessing on the offering this morning. Amen. Page 137. 137. Joy to the world. Everybody stand. <laughs>
seated. This morning we're not going to have choir, but we do have some special music, so if you all want to come on up, and uh, and we've got a couple songs to sing this morning.
gather round the table so much to be thankful for it's christmas oh how i miss this but through the joy and laughter you could feel the sadness because this christmas everyone's not with us it's the time of year when happiness and cheer won't be enough to get me through the night i need a wonderful counselor the mighty god the prince of peace is strong enough to carry me stranger to all our sorrows all the hurt we'll ever know so let these gifts remind us how love came down to find us wonder of the ages the light the truth the way song it's not a Christmas song and uh, but it's a good song and it just talks about how good the Lord is to us the Lord is really good to us I'm really springing this on everybody just so you know this they are probably going what is he talking about and half of them don't even know what song we're gonna sing but I like to do that to people but anyway uh, I was texting with someone this week and just not getting some great news and uh, things just not going the way and uh, they mentioned this song 
And they mentioned the fact that, you know, when things just aren't going that great, uh, that this was something that ministered to them, something that was a blessing to them. And uh, for one, number one, I'm glad to be a part of a church where we are ministering to each other. It's not just a place where we come in uh, and, and we are doing little things and, you know, singing nice little songs about Jesus. We have a place where the soul gets ministered to. And if you're missing out on that aspect of, of the church, it's so important and it's so real. And there's people who are going through the worst times of their life and they're finding strength from the things they've received in this place. Boy, that's so important. And why is that? Because it's from the Word of God and it speaks that. And this song just, it's so simple. And it just says, the Lord is good. The Lord is good. I know that the Lord is good. And I love that song because of that statement and how strong it is. I know that the Lord is good. What is going on around me is Satan trying to tell me that the Lord's not good. That has been Satan from the very beginning. He goes to Adam and Eve, says to Eve, the Lord's not good to you. He is holding back knowledge from you. And he still does the same thing to us. Something bad happens in our life. Satan starts whispering in your ear, God's not good to you. God doesn't care about you. But I know that the Lord is good. And it's not about the surrounding circumstances at that moment. It's because of what God has done for me. It's because of what his word tells me. I know the Lord is good. So I want to sing this this morning, and I hope that somebody's listening to it, somebody's special, and they know who they are. And I pray it'll be a blessing to them. And uh, we'll sing this song this morning. touched me when I was so low. I could not get up or go down any farther. My sins, which were many, he forgave and forgot them. Oh, I know the Lord is good. The Lord is good. His mercy endureth forever and ever to all generations. So I will stand up and sing praise, hallelujah, for I know the Lord is good. I was sick in my body and could not get well. The doctors had told all they could tell. But when that great physician passed by my way, oh, I mercy endureth forever and ever to all generations so i will stand up and sing praise hallelujah for i know the lord is good the lord 
Amen. Well, turn with me, if you would, in your Bible to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. Amen. My mic on, Danny? That's a joke. Amen. Matthew chapter 2. And if you don't know what that joke is about, ask somebody. They'll, they'll fill you in. Everybody's love talking about that, so. Amen. Matthew chapter 2, we're just going to look at a, uh, excuse me, I'm messing myself up today. Uh, Luke chapter number 2. I was in Matthew before, and I did all of the Matthew stuff that I wanted to do. Now we're going to go over to Luke chapter number 2, verse number 8. Luke chapter number 2, verse number 8. And uh, I just want to bring a message this morning that has to do uh, with, uh, with our Lord and Savior, with, our, with the shepherds that were there. And I'll tell you, I was really challenged this year. Uh, you get a lot of different things that, that pop up, and, and this was a challenge to me personally. And uh, the pastor that was sharing a little bit of a challenge to us, other pastors was saying, you know, uh, your people don't need you to find out some cute little thing about Christmas and where it comes from. The gentleman that was presented to us said, let's open up the Bible and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ from the greatest story that's ever been told. And that is the beginning of, of the greatest story of Christ crucified for us. But then we see all of this at the beginning. And so uh, today I want to preach. I want to preach on the shepherds, but uh, I want to preach. I want to open up the word of God and uh, let his word speak into our hearts and in our lives. So Luke chapter number two, verse number eight, if you found that with me, let's start reading there and we'll read all the way down to verse number 20. Wait a minute, what? Stand, if you'll stand with me, yeah. Did I say that? No, I just said, okay, but then I paused. You're going to have to bear with me this morning. I don't know. Maybe it's just the, the Christmas spirit has overtaken us. I don't know, but I'm glad that you're standing now. Matthew chapter, Luke chapter number two. Boy, we're struggling. Luke chapter two, verse number eight. Let's read the scripture and pray, and then we'll be on the right track. Amen. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made it known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. 
And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we want to open up the word this morning and preach. We want to proclaim the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to meditate on the goodness of God to us. We want to just revel in the fact that you were uh, willing to send your son to die for us. We want to make it clear and plain. And this morning, I pray that you'd help us. I know that children's minds are everywhere on this Christmas morning. I know adults' minds are everywhere as we're thinking of food that needs to be prepared and things that need to be done and places that need to go. But dear God, help us just for a moment to think and ponder and, and just take this time to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to, to be, have a heart that's full of thanksgiving, to let that worship in our heart this morning go from heart to heart. And maybe, just maybe, there's someone who has never received the greatest gift that's ever been given. And on this Christmas morning, they would accept that gift from the greatest gift giver. They would have eternal life because of what you have done. We will praise you for it. We sure will. In Christ's wonderful name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I wanted to focus on the shepherds this morning just for a moment. I have preached a lot about the prophecies. I've preached a lot about uh, going back and taking a look at those, and they've been good. But this morning as we came in on Christmas morning, I wanted to take this time and again, like I said, just look at these shepherds that we see here in verse number 8 all the way down through 20. As a matter of fact, I kind of was toying with different titles and one of them was, is I want to be like the shepherds. I want to experience some of those things that they have. And I really do believe in a way we have and or maybe we should have in our own life. One of the things that I find so unique about the shepherds all throughout the Bible is this metaphor and this typology of shepherds uh, and their relationship to Christ and Christ's relationship to us is it seems to never ever break down. It seems to no matter how deep you look into it, we find that there's still truth there to be found and joy in our ability to worship. And as I was preparing this message, I can tell you my heart once again was worshiping my Savior as I thought about the way that the shepherds did these things, the way that Christ revealed himself to them. Uh, and we're just gonna focus on that. So I'm gonna get right into the heart of the message this morning and look at these few things that what was going on with the shepherds that Christmas day. Number one, I want us to see that they received a heavenly message. They received a heavenly message. We saw it right there in verse number eight. There were in the same shepherd, uh, country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and the angel of the Lord came upon them. And so first we see that one angel is coming to give them this news. And then the Bible tells us, as we remember from our play, we'll never forget it now, where we? A multitude of the heavenly host, right? We're never going to forget that one now, that they show up and they are proclaiming in joyous terms, in heavenly terms, in ways that cannot be even imagined really, the message that the birth of Jesus Christ is taking place, that something miraculous is happening. 
And that is absolutely amazing. And we see that and we look at it and this stirs them. This awakens their heart to a lot of things that are going on. Uh, and, and they decide to do things because of it. And I want us to remember, and I want us to remember this this Christmas morning. And I want you to think about it as well in your own life personally. I want you to think about the fact that the gospel message delivered to you, brought to you, and brought to all of us is no less miraculous today than it was for those angel, or for those shepherds that were sitting on the hillside. You might say, well, Mike, that's not true. I've never seen a multitude of the heavenly hosts proclaim it. You might even say to me, hey, guess what, Pastor Mike? If I saw a bunch of angels telling me about Jesus, I might have a, hard a better time believing all of this stuff. Well, I know that on the surface you might say, oh, it's not that big of a deal. But what I've been around and what I've seen is that we find that the fact that this message, number one, has been preserved for us and handed down from century to century for almost 2,000 years, the fact that I have received that message is miracle number one. I have not. It's amazing that God has preserved his message with such purity. I want you to think about this. Men has tried and Satan has tried to dilute the message, to make the message about everything else uh, in every time and in every era of history. Satan has looked to make sure that this message doesn't get to people in its purest form. He uses religion. He uses evil hearts. He uses war. He uses whatever he can to make sure that that message in its pure form, the love of God displayed to us doesn't get to us. But guess what? God makes sure that there's always those that hear the gospel message pure and undefiled, that there is a God who loves us, that there is a Savior who died for us, and that by putting our faith and trust in Him, and not by works, lest any man should boast, and not by our religion, and not by all of the things that everyone else is talking about, but when we come with a pure heart before Him, desiring His face, and desiring to know Him, He honors that. That's a miracle that we still get that message it's a miracle. Not only that, the fact that I thought about this and uh, I thought about Brother Harry and I thought about them, the message that I heard before that there's some people that walk out like Brother Harry that walk out of a place and find a tract in the most uncommon place, in the most random place. And there it is, the gospel of Jesus Christ right in front of them at a time when they need it the most. God's still in the business of working miracles, isn't he? Because he delivers the gospel message right at a time when a heart is needing it. Right at a time when a heart is ready. But then God is also miraculous in his working. Because sometimes folks' hearts need a little work. And he'll work and be patient, won't he? And he'll do that work that needs to be done. But then you might say, well, Mike, my, my conversion wasn't like that. I grew up in church and I heard all of that. And isn't that in of itself an amazing miracle? that you had the opportunity week after week to hear the gospel. Number one miracle was you were born in a country where you heard the gospel being preached. 
Number two was you were born into a family that cared enough to bring you to church. And God's been working miracle after miracle after miracle for the purpose of delivering his message of salvation to a world that needs it. Our God will stop at nothing to bring this message to the hearts of those that will receive it. That's what God is doing. And we look back at the Bible and go, well, that was a miracle and that was that. God is still working miracles. And his message has come miraculously to you this morning. Maybe you never thought in a million years you'd be at church on a Christmas morning. Man, I've seen so much stuff flying around and people talking about, are you going to church on Christmas? It's on Sunday. What are we going to do? What are we, you know? I'm glad we're at church. I'll just say that. Amen. Maybe you find yourself sitting here this morning and going, yeah, there's not really much miraculous about my life. Oh, I would beg to differ. The gospel message of the goodness of Jesus Christ is being preached to you one more time. We are reveling in what God has done and what God has done. So number one, we see that there's a heavenly message. Number two, we see, and this is important, that there's a call to worship, a call to worship. Notice what it says. We go into it and the angels tell them of what's going on. And then there's the heavenly hosts in verse number 13. And they're proclaiming glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. I could preach on those all day long, but we're not going to. And then it says in verse 15, And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them, the shepherds said one to another, Watch this. Let us now go unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. They said, let's go and get close to Jesus. That's what they said. Let's go. Let's go and worship the baby in a manger. Okay. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of homework for today. You thought this would never happen, did you? I hope you're taking notes this morning. Maybe you are. Maybe you're not. Maybe you came on Christmas morning and was like, I didn't plan on taking notes, but you can go for it later. But I want you to, if you have the time, I want you to write these down real quick because this is a beautiful, a call to worship, a call to worship God. Throughout the, all throughout the Bible, there are times when God is inviting us to worship. Did you know that? As a matter of fact, in a lot of churches, they begin with a call to worship. It's a call for God's people to come into the house of God and worship him uh, and be ready in their heart that they would adore him, that they would lift up his praises. And there's quite a few passages of scripture that they take those call to worships from. I'm going to share those with you. And the reason I wanted to share them with you this morning, all you got to do is write them and go home with them and read them yourself in order. And guess what happens then? You will see how God is delivering a call to worship that all the way from until the smallest place of now until where I leave this planet and go to another world that he is calling me into his presence to worship. I don't know if that's doing anything for you this morning, but one day he's not just going to call me to worship here, but he's going to call me to worship there. And he's not leaving me alone all throughout my time here. He is calling me and preparing me in this world for worship in a better place than this world. 
He is preparing my heart that I might be ready to receive His glory into my heart, that I might be a true reflection of that glory. I am a poor reflection of that glory now. But one day we will stand in His presence and we will be a true reflection of the glory that is shown into our hearts and we will reflect it back to our Heavenly Father in a way that is proper and good. And I'm practicing now. If you go in your Bible, this is how you ought to go through it. Psalm 3 and verse number 8. Psalm 5, verses 7 through 8. Psalm 9, verses 1 through 2. Psalm 66, verses 1 through 4. Psalm 95, verse 6. Psalm 100. Malachi 1, verse number 11. Matthew chapter number 4, 14 through 16. And Revelation chapter 3, verse number 20. If you want to, I could give you those later. But this call to worship is so important. It's so, it's so key to everything that's taking place for these, for these shepherds. But I also think it's so key to everything that's taking place with us. Because in the busyness of our day and in the busyness of our time and in all that takes place in the life that we live, we have forgotten how to truly worship God. We have. We call this worship time, and it ought to be worship time. It really should. But worship happens in private. Worship happens one-on-one. -on -one. That's why that relationship is so real. I think it's absolutely wonderful. I was able to go and see David at Sight and Sound. If you haven't seen it, I encourage you to go. Somebody bought us some tickets for Christmas. It was absolutely wonderful. I was absolutely amazed at the fact that they put a great emphasis on the fact that David's relationship with God was better than Saul's relationship with God because he had time to be alone with God. As a matter of fact, at the very beginning of it, his mother is singing to him a song, and it has been echoing in my heart all of the time. And again, David's a shepherd. we got to remember that. It just doesn't stop. I'm telling you, this shepherd business just doesn't stop. And at the very beginning of that song, here's what she sings. Is she's teaching him to shepherd. And here's what she says to him. You have the time, my son, away from everyone. At the beginning, he's complaining because he keeps getting sent away out into the fields. He's like, I don't want to be out in the fields. I, I want to be where everybody else is, where all the action is. And she says, no, you don't understand. You have the time away from everyone. And she says, just be with the Holy One. He'll be with you. And it's an absolutely beautiful picture that they paint there. And you see that that David is, is alone and he's out with the sheep and he's playing his heart and he's singing those songs to God. And he's just a little bitty boy. And then boom, the, the scene shifts and here he is, an older, an older young man, and he's still playing that harp and the music is way more beautiful. Uh, and as he plays that too, his heart is just worshiping God and he has been training himself in his alone time. To worship God. There's a call to worship in our life. To come and be away and separate ourselves. Oh, the very name Holy One means that He is separate. 
And he is calling us, remember in 1 Peter, be ye holy as I am holy. What does that mean? Separate yourself as I am separated from the world. And there is a call in our life to get alone with God and worship him in quiet and worship him in peace and be able to quiet our hearts and quiet our minds so that we could focus on who he is and what he is. And this was a challenge to me. I'm going to tell you right now, what am I doing with my quiet time with God? What am I doing with my alone time with God? Sometimes we complain, oh, that we don't have enough alone time. I'm going to tell you, for the Christian, we have to make it. We have to make it happen. It's absolutely essential to what we're doing. The shepherds are going to find that for them to, to, to know him and fulfill it, they've got to come away and worship. This part of, of, of our life is so important. And I have times I know, and it's so funny. It, it's so funny how we miss it sometimes. Time that I've been complaining about having to be spent doing certain things that almost seem mundane that I actually realize I could have been using to study the scripture, to dwell on it in my mind. We do, we do have the time. We really do. Maybe you say, no, Mike, you just don't understand my schedule. I don't have the time. Well, we have to make the time to worship and be alone with God. It's absolutely essential for the believer. It makes all the difference in the world. It changes everything. As a matter of fact, and I don't have time to go there, but if we look at the stories of David and Saul, we see how important it is. Lastly, and I could preach on that one for a long time, but I'm not going to this morning. Number three, what do we know the shepherds for? Number three, they go tell it on the mountain, do they not? We see in verse number 17, and when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. They were a witness. Hmm. This is what this whole thing is absolutely all about as well. We have been called. We have been, the gospel message has been proclaimed to us. And I think this is important. I'm going to point it out real quick. Then we are called to worship him. And when we worship him, then we go out and speak. We are witnesses of what he has done. Now, here's what's interesting about that. If we hear the call and then we decide that we're going to go out and be a witness, but we haven't worshipped, the witness isn't very good. It's not. It doesn't have any weight. It's not real. See, sometimes we get all of these things kind of jumbled up in our Christian life. And we come into the church and we heard the gospel and we're like, I know that that should be a part of my life. I feel like that should be a part. And then we start talking about it. And you're like, well, I need to work for the Lord and I need to do something. And everybody's talking about being a witness. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go out and I'm going to witness for Jesus. And I'm going to tell other people about Jesus. And that's going to make me feel so much better. But we never stop in the middle and actually genuinely worship Jesus. And so when we go out, our witness, excuse the term, but our witness is just a little cheesy. It sounds like it came out of a can. And it sounds like you rehearsed it. But guess what? There wasn't anything rehearsed about what the shepherds were talking about. They were like, you won't believe what we saw. You won't believe. And not only that, when the angels came and told us, you won't believe it, but we came. 
And probably with a little bit of shake in their voice as well, they probably said, we found the baby exactly where they said he would be. And when we looked at him, we knew that he was the Christ. We knew that he was the Savior of the world. I want my witness to have power. I want your witness to have power. I want it to be real. I want your relationship with Christ to be real. And while this, while this, uh, this message kind of ends on witness, I really believe that we've got point one, two, and three, that point number two is the centerpiece of the whole thing, and that's worship. That's worship. Will we worship? Oh, come, let us adore him. Will we worship? Will we take the time to get away? Or will we convince ourselves that we're too busy? Will we not be real with him? I, hey, I'm preaching what the Lord put on my heart this Christmas morning. I'm preaching what I feel is needful for our people. And maybe you've never worshiped. Maybe you don't know what it even means to, to take those in. And, uh, we can help you. We want to help you in your relationship with Christ. But what we're talking about is real time where you spend it alone with God. You meditate on who he is. You, you're, and it happens in so many different ways. And I, like I said, I, it's so hard to just share it with, with us all the time. But I've been so blessed to take something so small as this idea of a shepherd and then I'll just give you an idea how it goes on. We were going somewhere with all of the youth group kids and Ruby and Andrew and Emma and Sammy and all of them were in the car with me. And Ruby says, hey, have you heard that soundtrack to, to David? Nope. And as soon as she plays it, I was like, there's something about that. And the next day, I had a long drive, put that thing on in my car. And when that song came on about learning to shepherd, I'm going to tell you what, it blessed my heart. And I thought about my shepherd. And there was another line in there that I keep dwelling on. And she says to, she says to David, these sheep will look to you. You can't lose anyone. You know what I thought about? I'm so thankful that my good shepherd, he's never lost one. Man, it ministered to my heart. And I worshiped him because he's never lost anything. And he comes after us. And worship takes place in small, who knows what it'll be. But you got to get alone. And you got to think about who he is. Might be a shepherd. It might be that he's the king of kings and lord of lords. Maybe next Christmas, that's what we'll think about. Because he is a shepherd and a king. He's also the lion of the tribe of Judah. But I don't know right now. He's the good shepherd. And I want to hear his voice. And if you've never heard of his voice, we are inviting you to come and worship him with us. Every head bowed. Every eye closed this morning. Daryl, can we sing, Oh, come let us adore him? Daryl was on it already. How did I not know that? How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that He 
Son to make a wretched treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The Father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory behold the man upon the cross my sin upon his shoulders ashamed Oh. 